You're a student sitting in a classroom, and your teacher asks you and your classmates to break up into groups of people who share the same racial identity. What goes through your mind? Maybe you're thinking, why am I grouping up with people of my own race? That sounds awkward and like a form of segregation. How are we supposed to overcome racism if we are separated along racial lines? That sounds like segregation, and that's the immediate gut instinct. And then the criticism is like, why would you do that at all? That's just reinforcing things in a really negative way. But the intention is not to do that. The intention is to give people space to talk first and feel like a level of like processing time so that you can actually have meaningful dialogue across racial lines where people are actually understanding each other's experience. Because the ultimate goal is to actually build more empathy and build more understanding. Today, we're talking about racial affinity groups. Welcome back to our second episode of Creating Space to Talk About Race. I'm Rose Kaur, and thanks for tuning in to The Young and the Woke. Next, you will hear a racially diverse group of students from Oakland Technical High School, Imani, Ruby, Nia, Summer, Simona, Audrey, Nyla, and Samira, discuss what they got out of participating in racial affinity groups. I want to give a heads up to our listeners. This episode contains descriptions of racialized trauma. Please take care of yourselves in the ways you need. Thanks. This is Heath again, their teacher from the Race, Policy, and Law Academy, known as RPL. Talking about race because we don't do it very often in this country is very difficult and often leads to very strong emotions, which then can, you know, torpedo a conversation about race and just make it so that you can't actually have any dialogue because strong emotions are elicited. And so the idea with racial affinity groups is that people first have an opportunity to talk about what has been your experience as a member of this racial group. So if you're in the white racial affinity group, it's a space to talk about and unpack what does it mean to be a white person in this society. If you're in, say, an Asian uh, Pacific Islander affinity group, it's a place to talk about, well, what has been my experience around race? How do I experience my racial identity? The key step is that you have to come back together, all the groups together, and then there's a, a structured process for sharing some of the key experiences they feel like the other groups need to hear about. So it's a way of kind of promoting listening and understanding of people's experience across racial lines. Affinity groups was lit. Um, you always felt really supported in there. The teachers and everyone there like always had your back. It was almost like families. It was just like a safe space that really just kind of like affirmed your identity while creating this lovely community around you that like really supported you. And I think sometimes that's left out. So if you are a minority in an all white classroom, you're not going to get that same support. Each affinity group would get in the center of the class while the rest would uh, circle around. And the affinity group kind of shared out a recap of what they talked about or something that they wanted to share with the rest of the class. It's a time to listen and to learn and uh, to ask questions. But just because you are in a space does not mean that you necessarily have to speak on every issue, especially when it does not pertain to you or um, your experience. So I think that was the most significant thing I remember. And I remember it receiving a lot of snaps from the rest of the class. When we're talking in class, if there is a small amount of Black people, it can feel like 
people are kind of looking at you like to be the spokesperson. Like I'm just speaking from my own experience. Yeah. I think it stood out that there were only two Asian American people. It was significant to see how few of us there were and how few Latinx students there were. I think that was an interesting thing to like formally acknowledge in the classroom because like we're so used to thinking of ourselves like, yeah, we're a really diverse space. But it is important to acknowledge that we are different and we have different experiences and these different experiences are going to affect who we are. And it's important to find community and solidarity within our specific experiences. You need like kinship and close community in these conversations about large scale racial justice as well. In RPL, I have met my best friends. I feel like we got to know each other on like such a deeper level. I feel like I was probably like, oh, that's weird since I'm white. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. like white people talking and splitting everyone up. But I think it is important for people to have spaces where they could feel they could talk with people that they identify with. I really like the infinity groups because it was like RPL was a safe space. But then like, of course, you feel even more propelled to give your opinion on certain things when you're around, you know, people who look like you. I mean, they're not always going to think like you, but, you know, nine times out of 10, like you guys share more similar struggles than Mm -hmm. everyone else. Like me and my family, I've had to have conversations about race all my life and some people don't. And it's just a reality that we have to face. And, you know, some people grow up with different families who might not say have the same viewpoints as mine. Especially in a white group, you might feel more comfortable to make mistakes and uh, ask questions that you might not in a multiracial setting. But also coming back to that main space was so great because it works the other way around. And we were able to hear groups share out things you have to bring people back together. The point of this is to help people build community with like similar experiences and also to help raise the, the issues that are out there in a way that feels like it's safe for people. When I was in elementary school, I was the only Black girl and the only one of three Black people in my entire elementary school. I actually had a very racist teacher in the fourth grade. So imagine a white female teacher picking on a fourth grader just because of the color of her skin. It wasn't like a one-time thing. It was like a continuous thing to the point where like she kind of demeaned me in a way that made me feel like I was unworthy of being in the classroom or even unworthy of existing. Sharing that experience with everybody else in the room, like having some of my friends who were actually in the room comfort me and even Miss Janelle coming out and saying, what was the name of this teacher? Like kind of going into a mother mode. It felt really good. And it kind of made me think differently about the things that I was feeling back then when I was younger, because being at that age, I didn't understand that she was treating me badly because of the color of my skin. I kind of thought that it was because like I deserved to be treated badly because of how so constantly she did it. Imagine trying to explain that to a little fourth grader, like, it's not that you did anything wrong, it's just because of how you look. Raising that whole conversation in the affinity group and having even some other people come out and be like, oh yeah, I had a racist seizure too. So many people just started raising the points and being like, I had that experience too. One, it made me feel sad because obviously that's not something anybody should experience. But to know that like I wasn't alone, even though when I was experiencing that I was alone, it made me feel 
so much better about myself. And I was honestly really glad to be able to have that kind of community with me that I was comfortable enough to share that story with because I'm going to be honest, I never even told that story to my mom. When we think about affinity groups, that's why they exist, because they can create that kind of space for people to share in a way that's really vulnerable, because that was a very powerful story you just shared. And I know you've, you mentioned that before, but I feel like the way you told it this time was, I don't know, for me, like, just, yeah. So thank you for sharing. I wanted to join RPL so I could be a part of these important conversations and confront my privilege and my identity. Yeah. So yeah, the affinity circles were definitely an important part of that. It's important to share, but it's also really important to listen to other people, especially since like I don't experience racism since I'm a white person. So like stepping back and listening and just reflecting can be just as powerful as talking. People have different experiences of how they're treated because of their race. And that informs the way they kind of see themselves in the world and how they engage and And if we can't have a space to do that honestly and authentically, then it's like we're not going to make any progress. And so the goal is to like give people that time to look inward and kind of do some inward processing first and then have the the conversations, which are hard. They're just not easy conversations. You know, our history of race in this country is extremely painful. You can't have like painful conversations just off the cuff. They have to be done intentionally. Thank you to Heath, Nyla, Satara, Audrey, Simona, Nia, Imani, Summer, Ruby, and Samira for your honesty and openness in sharing your stories. Much appreciation to Young Wan Choi for inviting me to produce this podcast. If you like what you are hearing, please subscribe to The Young and the Woke wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rose Kaur, and until next time, stay woke. No, I was just going to say, so like a for real, for real podcast. Sorry, I'm a little bit excited because I've always wanted to do something like this.